Hey everyone, I'm David Chalian, the CNN Political Director. This is the CNN Political Briefing. Here's what you need to know in politics for Tuesday, June 15th, 2021. Joe Biden has arrived in Geneva and his big prep for the Putin summit is about to be put to the test. We'll discuss that. Plus, astonishing new details help us trace the line directly from the big lie of Donald Trump to the deadly insurrection at the United States Capitol. And finally, Mitch McConnell shows his cards. No Supreme Court nominees are likely to get through the Senate chamber if Republicans take control next year. President Biden will be the fifth United States president to meet with President Putin of Russia. That meeting is set to take place tomorrow in Geneva, Switzerland. And Biden built up a head of steam heading into the summit by gathering with allies in the UK and in Belgium. He went to the G7. He went to NATO. He went to the EU summit, all to form a strong picture of an alliance with those Western allies before going face to face with Putin. Biden aides have indicated that the president has been hard at work preparing for this meeting. It could be four hours or longer when all is said and done. They convened a meeting with a group of Russia experts for President Biden earlier this month so he could get their input on dealing with Putin ahead of the summit. What you won't see after this meeting is a repeat of that 2018 side-by-side joint press conference that Trump and Putin held in Helsinki. Joe Biden's team decided from the get-go they wanted to do a solo press conference after the meeting with Putin, not share the stage with someone who is an adversary of the United States. The meeting will be in two parts. The first summit is going to have four participants, President Biden, President Putin, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken, and Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov. Each side is going to have a translator, and there will be a photo op with reporters at the top of the meeting. Then it's going to expand with five member delegations on each side in addition to Biden and Putin. And it wasn't clear yet who would participate in that U.S. delegation for that second larger meeting. The specific message that Joe Biden is going to deliver to Vladimir Putin is not yet known. What is known are the broad themes. Clearly, Biden is going to make the case for an American-style democracy and an argument against an authoritarian government, an autocracy. This has been what Biden has staked the whole vision of his presidency on. When he talks about the battle for the soul of the United States, it is this very thing that he has in mind. The discussion items are are pretty clear, though. They're clearly going to talk about nuclear stability, arms control agreements. They will also talk, no doubt, about Russians' interference in U.S. elections, the recent ransomware attacks, and, of course, human rights. And we'll see if Joe Biden does indeed bring up directly to President Putin the opposition leader, Alexei Navalny, who is looking to get an assurance that he will not die in prison. Unlike nearly all of his predecessors who met with Putin as the American president, Joe Biden brings a lot of experience to the table. He's the former head of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. He's a former vice president for eight years under Barack Obama. This is someone who comes to what he calls a critical meeting with a worthy adversary with quite a strong resume in hand. How that plays out in terms of the outcome of his meeting with Putin and if he can advance America's interests in the world, that is to be determined. Now, here's what else matters today. 
a bombshell set of emails have been released as a part of an investigation by Congress, by the House Oversight Committee, into the goings-on at the Trump Justice Department in the aftermath of the 2020 election. And now, more than ever, you can see behind the scenes here exactly how Donald Trump was perpetuating his big lie in the corridors of government, trying to pull every lever possible. And his selling of that big lie, of course, is what incited the insurrection on January 6th. So now, with these emails, we know that President Trump's allies pressured then-acting Attorney General Jeffrey Rosen to consider the lies and allegations that Trump was pushing about the election. Trump had his assistant fire off emails directing Rosen to join the legal effort to challenge the election result. He did all this even as Rosen was set to assume the role of acting attorney general before William Barr had finished his work at DOJ. Rosen ultimately refused, and in an email to a DOJ official, he wrote, quote, Can you believe this? I'm not going to respond to the message below. Rosen also made clear in these emails that he had no intention of meeting with Rudy Giuliani, who was on Donald Trump's legal team perpetuating these absurd claims of election fraud. But blurring the lines that have existed in American democracy between the White House and the Department of Justice, that was not enough for Donald Trump. He also, as you know, went out, held the rally, motivated his troops, and completely enabled the insurrection that took place on January 6. We are also learning from the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security that it is very possible that QAnon followers believe, quote, they have an obligation to change from serving as digital soldiers towards engaging in real-world violence. That's from the FBI about the QAnon conspiracy group that, of course, Donald Trump was breathing life into by perpetuating these theories. Add it all up, and you see why Attorney General Merrick Garland went out today to announce a new Biden administration national strategy to combat domestic terrorism, a move that the Attorney General directly linked to that insurrection. It's one thing to be gobsmacked at just how much Donald Trump was willing to bust every norm to actually try and control the Justice Department for the United States for his personal political gain, but it's a whole nother matter when you consider the real danger his behavior caused. And finally today, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has never been shy about the fact that his top priority is getting conservative judges confirmed to America's federal courts. He's also shown that he's willing to go to great lengths to prevent liberal justices getting appointed to the Supreme Court or other federal courts. Well, now he's going even further. In a radio interview with Hugh Hewitt, conservative radio commentator, Mitch McConnell said that it was, quote, highly unlikely that Joe Biden would get a justice pick for the Supreme Court in 2024, an election year, if the Republicans gain control of the Senate in next year's midterm elections. Now, you remember back in 2016, he held open and never gave Merrick Garland a hearing after the death of Justice Antonin Scalia. He said, well, it's an election year and the Republicans control the Senate and a different party controls the White House. And that's the proper thing that should happen. 
Of course, Mitch McConnell was in a completely different place when the Republicans were in control of the Senate last year and there was a Republican president as he hustled through Amy Coney Barrett to confirmation after Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death. But here's where he now goes further. McConnell says to Hewitt that he's even open to the notion of possibly seeing what happens in 2023, that it's not just an election year rule, but that if Republicans regain the majority in the Senate next year, Mitch McConnell for two years may block any Biden nominee to the Supreme Court. This, of course, is building even more pressure now on Justice Breyer, a Democratic-appointed justice, to consider retirement, and why so many liberal groups and members of Congress, like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, are sounding the alarm that they want to ensure Biden gets a nominee before next year's midterm elections. McConnell is clearly playing political games here to define a judiciary in America as conservative as possible with no respect for the actual constitutional functioning of the advise and consent role the Senate was given by our country's founders. That's it for today's political briefing. Thanks so much for listening. And please take a moment and be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll talk to you tomorrow.